You're listening to the Inspire Excellence Podcast, recorded at the BVA headquarters with your hosts, Kevin Miller and Tommy Alquist. Each episode is focused on shedding new light on different perspectives to create dialogue that inspires excellence. Welcome to the Inspire Excellence Podcast, Tommy Alquist and Kevin Miller. And today, Tommy, well, I'll just leave the, the intro up to you, sir. Well, Kevin, we're going to talk a little more BSU football. <laughs> Hey, Caves and Prater better watch out. I, we're ready. All we, we, Miller, we're ready. We had them on and we warned them, right? Oh, they backed down quite a bit, sir. <laughs> they're ready. I don't think they backed down at all. But <laughs> actually, uh, Kevin and I are big, uh, big football fans, college sports fans, and fans of BSU. And today we are honored to have a uh, senior this year, uh, starting uh, defensive player, Kakoa Nawahini, uh, who is going to be our guest to talk about him and his. Uh, growing up here in Boise and then and then playing for the Broncos. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. This will be fun. So I, I know you pretty well. I knew you when you were in high school and and uh, you were a standout local local high school athlete. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit to start about your decision to go to BSU and uh, just what what it was like going through the process and and uh, becoming a BSU uh, football player. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Being a local kid, I've grown up watching BSU ever since I was little. So, I mean, that's been like the dream to go see these guys go out, play on the blue and and watch these games. And it, that's what it's always been a dream to me. And then growing up, you know, I always knew I wanted to play college football. And um, my senior year, I mean, I, I hadn't really had that much interest throughout most of high school, uh, just a little bit. And then my senior year, I was able to play well enough where I got um got noticed by BSU I guess and and when they offered me it was like the craziest night I remember uh, me my mom and my dad went and met coach Pete uh up at the football facility and you know he's like your offer's on the table and it was in a little envelope and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do I was like do I open it now you know what do I do and so he's like just take that and go with your parents and um so we went out and I mean, as soon as we got outside of the football facility, I was opening it up and seeing what it was and saw that I had been offered a scholarship. And that was just the craziest feeling, just seeing how happy my parents, happy and proud my parents were and being able to see that all this, this work and this dream of, you know, being able to play football at the next level has finally come to reality. And I knew that's exactly where I wanted to play. And it still feels like a dream to me being at BSU now. I mean, it's still, it's kind of surreal that, that these kids are watching me out on the blue, you know, like I was in their shoes 10 years ago watching the football players. And so it's surreal to me and, and it's a dream come true to be able to live that out every day and, and kind of recognize the opportunity that I've been given. You know, there's a lot of kids out there that, that listen to this podcast. Uh, if you had to give any advice to, to Idaho kids that might be listening and, and they see BSU and they see, you know, we have Corey Hall working here, and now you see uh, Van Der Esch in the NFL. I think there's a lot of great examples of Idaho kids that go on and play and do great. What, what would be your advice to them? Uh, I, I think sometimes people don't dream big enough, I guess, mm -hmm. is, is my advice. is You have a dream, you have a goal out there, and, and maybe some people don't think that that's, that's what you can do or even that's reasonable for you. But if you, if you attack that goal and that dream with a plan and, and give it everything you have, like it's your plan A and there's no other plan, then 
then you can make that happen for yourself. And I mean, that's how kind of been my mentality all of my life is I, I don't think that there's, I think we, we fail when we don't push ourselves to the absolute limit and try to really ex reach if we, if we even ever reach our potential, but strive for that in our lives. And, and we have to start with a dream or a goal and, and move forward with a plan to execute that. Certainly the adjustment from high school to college football, everybody dreams except Tommy. He wanted to shoot the hoops and still can. Achilles okay, brother? No, Achilles ended that dream. Well, okay. Um, but the idea of playing college football, you're living the dream, but going from high school here in Idaho to Boise State, a renowned program that you've watched as a little kid, what was that like? Was it a, Were the athletes, were you on par? Were they a step faster? Did, was the game fast to you, or was it uh, the same speed as in high school? I think, the, so are you asking like the biggest transition, I guess? Maybe? Right. Into, I think the biggest transition for me was, well, after coming home from my mission, there was a lot of physical um, aspects that I needed to, to kind of Can we talk about that up. just briefly before you, <laughs> you kind of gloss past that? So, yeah. so I, I knew you before in high school and, yeah. and everyone was so excited when you were going to go to BSU and you were just such a, 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 a gifted athlete and excited for you. And then this decision came to, do I go take two years off and two years, you're not going to be doing anything physical. You're not going to be working out. You're, you know, here you are, you finally get your dream. You get the letter from coach Pete and now you decide to go on a mission. How hard was that for you? That was the, I mean, it's still, that was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life. And I mean, being an 18 year old kid, you have on one hand, this this dream that you've you've had since you were a kid uh, to be able to play football at the next level. And on the other hand, to do what you feel is right inside. And my whole life I had, I mean, I had planned on serving a mission and, and going and my brother, my older brother served a mission and I'd always followed his example. He's one of my biggest role models. And um, as time got closer, it was, it was a little bit more real for me uh, how it was my choice because my dad didn't go on one and really there was no one in my life that was like no you should go besides my brother he was he was always saying you should go but most people in my life were saying that I should stay and not go and you know there's there's still a lot of good that you can do here you know you can serve your mission here there's people that you can help here and and whatever and and one of the biggest people that were like that is my mom and and it's okay that she's all right with me saying that too because because i didn't truth. know if you'd bring that up yeah no i yeah. i remember those days and, and and here you here you have a, a scholarship your dream sitting there and really the people closest to you saying hey what are you doing stay yeah. here and play football don't go do this hard thing right and i'll tell you in all my years watching people go on missions it's one of those times i thought wow this kid is going because he wants to go. And I, but I remember you leaving thinking that would be, that would be brutally hard when really everyone else in your world saying, Hey, here's your pathway. It's your dream. And you went. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. That's what made it. I mean, my mom was like, no, don't go. And <laughs> just all the time. And if you know my mom, she can be very influential. <laughs> she's a very, uh, yeah, she's a very powerful woman. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I'd, I'd said a prayer, you know, I'd been praying for months, but the one that I truly remember, I'd said a prayer and I knew without a doubt that I needed to go on a mission and that if I went on a mission, everything, all these doubts, whatever it was, worries that I had in my mind were going to work themselves out. And so 
I mean, if you have a feeling like that, there was, there's really huh. up to no debate from there. Yeah. I jumped in. I'm sorry. Cause then I'm going to ask you one other question. I remember when you got home, you got home in the summer, as I remember, right? Yeah. And I remember talking to you and, and I'll never forget. You said, I'm going to start this year. And I thought, well, wait a minute. You just, <laughs> you're just coming off a mission where you haven't lifted a weight or been running and you're going to go jump in the middle with, you know, these, these athletes that have been, you know, working out all spring and summer and preparing. I don't think this is going to work out so well, but you did it right. So, so now getting back to Kevin's question, what was that like coming off your mission and then going right into a season? Yeah, no, um, just a little side note real quick. I think that goes back to what I was saying is like, your, your reaction to that of me starting that year was about the same that I got from everyone else. Like, oh, that, I mean, come on, don't, don't shoot too high. You're going to disappoint yourself or whatever. And I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you gotta, you gotta dream big and go make it happen. And my biggest supporter in that was my mom. So I'll give her, <laughs> I'll give her credit in that. She had full faith in me being able to do that. But the biggest transition going into college football is the mental transition. There's so much more to the game than I ever realized in high school. Um, <clears throat> just every single little detail and everything. So the biggest part was mentally being able to learn a defense, learn my position, different techniques and, and things like that. I think that is where the biggest gap can be created as far as talent um, at the next level is everybody's talented, everybody's athletic, and the people that are able to separate themselves or lose themselves is, is dependent on the mental side of the game. Um, as far as mentally coming back or physically coming back though, my, the first few months were pretty rough in the summer. I, I had worked out on my mission. I would get up at 5.30 in the mornings to go work out. And I mean, I thought I was working hard. Like you think that you're pushing yourself hard, whatever. I'm working out at 5.30, you know, I'm dedicated. But when you come back to college workouts, it's a whole nother dynamic. Like you got all these other superior athletes that are pushing you and pushing each other. And I remember like one of the first workouts I did was Dex. We run the stadium. Um, every week. And I was like, oh, okay. They said the new guys could do like six when everyone else was on, I think it was like 11 or something. And I was like, no, I'm going to do 11 with these guys. I'm going to try to stay up to the front of the pack. And <laughs> I got to like four and I was <laughs> done like crawling up these things. And let's, I mean, I stopped at six. Like <laughs> I, I was like, oh, I pace myself from here. But yeah, that was, that was a big adjustment coming back, but it's been good. Well, uh, building on that, just the speed of the game, the difference between high school and college. There's a, there's a big jump and it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of hard, like having the two year gap. I feel like I don't really remember like high school that well from going into it. It's kind of like college is a fresh slate and this is all I knew, but there was, there is definitely a speed jump, especially when you're a kid coming from Idaho, where I'm not saying if you're from Idaho, you can't play at the next level or be successful at the next level, obviously, but the level of competition in Idaho is not as high as other states like California, Texas, whatever. And so um, now you're getting all these kids. There's just a lot more people that are fast, that are faster than you, stronger than you, whatever. And so the, the speed of the game is a pretty big jump. You just got to find your edges where you can. Talk to us about your position because uh, because I know you and because I am a big fan and we go to all the games, watch all the games. I, I, I watch you uh, play and it's it's a very mental position, right? Talk, yeah. talk us through reads, 
talk us through, you know, what, what that's like, because as I watch you, it's an interesting position to play because you've got to really be reading uh, that offense and then deciding where to go, where to go uh, help your defense. So talk, talk a little bit about your position. Yeah. I mean, most of the time when people ask what position I play and I'm like safety, they're like, Oh, you're that fast. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm smart. So I try to make up for it in my intelligence of the game. But the biggest thing at safety, like you said, is being a mental position is, I mean, you, you just have to understand what the offense is trying to do. First, you need to understand what you want to do as a defense, like what your call is, what your responsibilities are and, and where you fit into that. And then from there, you can read your keys. So, I mean, the biggest thing with any position and, and obviously safety is you need to be able to read your keys, understand what your keys are and read your keys to be able to react to what they're telling you to do. So say you're reading the tight end. If he blocks down and you have a run fit, off of that, you need to come fit off of that and know where you're fitting, what gap you're fitting and, and who else is fitting the other gaps or if he releases for a pass, what coverage responsibilities you have in that. And so the mental aspect of the game is all dependent on your responsibilities within that play and reading your keys and reacting from there. And, and where you can gain cheats is being able to understand what offenses like to do and, and, and how they want to attack. And so you can kind of have that in your mind as you're watching film and, and then going out and practicing. Do you watch a lot of film? Yeah. Yeah, I try to. Uh, right now, I try to just be consistent in watching film every day, even if it's like just for 30 minutes. But during the season, I mean, you're there all day long. That's that's your thing. But I think the biggest jump that you can get is watching it in the preseason. Well, that's a good point. What's your day like during the season? During the season? Yeah. So our schedule is being changed this year. But previously, it was you'd have all your classes before noon. Uh, so you'd work out in the morning once or twice a week, um, scheduled around your classes. And then afternoon you'd go to the facility meetings, position meetings would start at one and we'd have meetings, film, and then we'd go out the practice field at three and be done around like six probably. And then, uh, watch film. Well, I mean, eat, shower, whatever, watch film for about another hour that night and then go home, do homework or sleep, whatever you need. You lost your defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Talk to us about that. Uh, He seemed like an an amazing coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coach Avalos was a beast. I mean, he's, he's a great guy and I loved playing for him. And it was kind of a shock, like, when he did it. I, I'd always, I'd always known that he was going to, leave eventually you know some some school is going to come by with more money and be able to be a better opportunity for him um in his coaching career and so I was just hoping that he stayed for one more year during my senior year and and when he announced that he was leaving it was it was pretty emotional for the defense especially but I think we responded really well to it um we came together as as players and and it was just a different feel that I had felt in years before as far as like um, player leadership and just unity, I guess. And I mean, I love the new defensive coordinators now. They're great guys. Coach, uh, Coach Danielson and Coach Schmetting are going to do a great job together. And so I'm excited to see where it goes. You're, uh, you're, you're pretty tall for a safety, right? How tall are you? So you're- yeah, I'm 6'2". 6'2". Yeah. yeah. And so uh, 
tell us about the coming year. It's your senior year. What's the defense going to be like? New quarterback. Give give us some insight from your perspective on the season. And then we had uh, we've we've had uh, uh, we had Brad Lerondo on, and he talked about the big game, the first big game. Right. That certainly circled on everyone else's calendars. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for the season. It's going to be. It's crazy that it's my senior year already, but I'm excited for the team. And we got a lot of guys returning on defense and a lot of guys that are comfortable playing with each other and, and um, you know, just, just trusting each other and having each other's backs. And so on defense, I'm excited to go out there and play around and, or, and run, fly around and, and play for, for each other and for the new defensive coordinators that we have. And um, on offense, I'm excited too to see, you know, with, with uh, Brett gone, there's a lot of questions being raised and in, in who's going to be the new quarterback and how they're going to be. But we've got a lot of playmakers on offense that I'm excited to see how they go out and and play this season. And and obviously the first game coming up, you know, I'm, I think about it all the time. And I try to wake up in the morning and just visualize the game and and plays that I want to make. And so I'm, I'm just excited to see us go out together as a team and and give it our best for the season. Well, you, you think about how the game has changed five, six years ago. Urban Meyer brings the spread, maybe 10 years ago, brings the spread from Utah to Florida. They think it's not going to work. Then it becomes, a, a, you know, the next big offense in college football, now pro football. Then you've got the, the run pass option. As a safety, how do, you, how do you handle the run pass option? Is this, uh, you know... Uh, uh, again, you, you see some teams in Boise State using it to a degree as well. I, I mean, you know, you're talking about keying on the tight end or the back, and you make the wrong key, and you know, touchdown. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it definitely makes things difficult with um, you know the run pass option just in the name, making it more options for the offense to have and, and read the defense. But I think that just goes back like simply is. What's your main responsibility as, as, as your position on defense for that play? What's your main responsibility? Make sure that's handled and be able to move on from the next. So say you're in coverage, you're, you're locked on your guy, and if you notice that it's a run, then you can add on to that. Or if you, you know, you're in a zone, as, as a DB, your first responsibility is going to be the pass because there's nobody else to, to really handle that in the back end. But... It's just reading your keys and just making the game as simple as you can and, and not being wrong and, and reacting or otherwise they get they get big plays. Is there extra pressure, do you feel, because you're playing at home and this is your home? I wouldn't say pressure is the right word. I think it's just um, an extra motivation or an extra responsibility in, in, in realizing you know, the kind of reputation that playing on the blue has gotten over the years, especially for past Boise State teams. It's um, just having the, I guess, yeah, mentality that when teams come in there, they're going to get our best. And obviously they're going to be giving us their best as well because they want to come in and win on the blue. But I wouldn't say... Expectation? Yeah, I would say it's an expectation. It's definitely an expectation among the players and the team and it's just a, it's an amazing feeling playing at home on the blue and in front of the crowd. Oh. Kind of like your coach. What's that? Coach Harson. Yeah. Yeah. 
who played high school and then played on the blue. It's different. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it's just, it's just different. It's that home feel and, and it's the blue, especially there's so much like surrounded around the blue turf that there's, like you said, there's just an expectation that, that we're going to go out and we don't lose on the blue. Hey, we're sitting in our little room here and, and last year you had the turnover thrown. So when we saw that here at our little company, we went and got the exact replica and we call it the deal throne. So it's sitting over there. So yeah. tell us about how fun things like that are, are it's actually kind of refreshing. Cause I think from the sideline, Coach Harzen seems like an intense dude. Right. Like yeah. a very, very intense guy. So it's yeah. fun for you guys to mix in some fun every once in a while. Uh, tell us how motivating that's been and, and do we, will we see the throne back this year? Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that, just like you said, that is so fun. Like before games, um, in our meetings, like the day before games, our coach would, would kind of make up a little montage of clips of turnovers and stuff. And, and the defense would be getting all hyped in there. And, and it's just a lot of fun. Like when you have those kind of, uh, energetic moments with your teammates and stuff and, and you see other people making plays. And then when they go out on the game, and, and make a play, get a turnover and everyone's waiting for them, you know, making a line for them to go sit on the throne. And it's just a fun atmosphere to be around and it brings joy to the game. I mean, we all play it because we love it and we have fun. And so just making that the center of it at that point, when people go out and make good plays, it's, it's fun. And if it'll be returning, I don't know. Cause the coach that, that, uh, had introduced it isn't there anymore. So I'm not sure about, I would guess that it is or, or some, variation of it it's great you know you take a look at uh, legacy have you thought about your legacy this is your senior year um coach pete recruited you signed you now you're under coach harson the legacy continues and you've got a lot of kids in optimus football high school football have studied you looking at you uh, probably at the football camps you're going to mentor them if you haven't already what is that like to go from being the student now to, to sharing what you've known again, as a local kid. Yeah. Like I, like I had said earlier, it's just kind of surreal to me. It's like a dream come true being in the flipped roles. You know what I mean? Being the player, being a player at Boise state and compared to a high school kid or a younger kid. And, uh, I've, I've thought a lot about, I mean, I always think a lot about why I was blessed with, with athletic talents or why I'm in the position that I'm in. And, and, uh, as far as my legacy, I've always just wanted to, to be able to help people in whatever way I can. And, um, and especially younger kids that have aspirations of playing at the next level. I don't, if, I mean, if you have dreams, like, like I'm a big person in, in, uh, going after your dreams, no matter how big they may seem to anyone else, go after your dreams. And so if I can help any kid in any position, in any, you know, at any age, be able to, to work towards that in any way. I, I love those opportunities. And so, yeah, I always go help out at the camps and I'm helping out this year at the camps as well. And I have little brothers, I have three little brothers in high school and two of them play football. And so the youngest, um, I just love working with them. I, I mean, I love being able to see them develop and, and, and me grow as well. I think you grow a lot when you try to teach and, and when you try to make it simple. And I think there's, there's just a lot of good things that can come from, from helping other people out. It's great. I asked your permission before we started, but, um, I know your mom, uh, 
you mentioned her a couple times today and just being a, your biggest fan, right? Yeah. yeah. Your, your mom and your dad, uh, great, great people. She had a health, serious health scare. Tell us what it was like going through that um, uh, as, as her son. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. So she had, she had had a stroke last May. So it just came up on the year mark a a few days ago, a week ago or so. And um, it was just me and her in Arizona. And I won't like go into all the details because that could be a while, but it was just me and her in Arizona. And we were flying back to Boise that day, but we were there because I was training uh, for football and she'd had a stroke and I was the only one there. And so, you know, after this big, long story, we get her to the hospital and I think the hardest the hardest part for me in that moment was I was there. It was just me there. Well, I had, um, one of my cousins lived in Arizona, so she was able to come there as well with her husband. And, but just seeing her there and me being so helpless to someone that had, you know, given me everything up to that point was one of the hardest, um, things for me emotionally. And and thinking back to that of just seeing her, struggle before she had went into the operation room because when you have a stroke i mean obviously your your um your brain is like needing oxygen dying from oxygen whatever and it was it was just it was hard it was kind of like an out-of-body experience at that point um but seeing her recovery and her work towards a full recovery has been one of the greatest things that I've seen. And and as hard as a moment as that was, and I've talked about this before, but as, as hard as that is, there's good that comes in every moment. Like as cliche as that sounds, there really is, there's been amazing things that have happened because she had a stroke that wouldn't have happened. Um, if she didn't, you know, our, our family's really, really close and my parents' relationship has, has grown a hundred times and there's just a lot of things, like I said, that, that happened in a good way because of, of something bad. And so being surrounded by my family members and and everyone having the same attitude of being able to find the good in the bad and, and always expecting, I mean, there's nobody in my family that, that doesn't expect her to make a full recovery. Um, and that hasn't, I mean, that's, that's been it from the beginning, even when things did not look good. Uh, for her in the hospital, but seeing her work towards that and seeing her grow and progress, even if it's, if it's minuscule and I'm sure I can't even imagine how hard it is for her to not be able to, to do the things that you want to do and to be as, as vibrant and as, as energetic as she was, um, to fight and to get that back inch by inch as she has been, has been inspiring to see as her son and and I, and you know, it makes me in whatever way is like, oh, if, if she's doing this, I, I can, I can easily do this. You know what I mean? Like whatever's hard for me, I, I've been blessed and there's worse. And I mean, I know that's, that's a common thing to say is, oh, there's always worse out there. But, but seeing that example firsthand of her pushing through that struggle is, um, is inspiring. And I know that she's going to do amazing things from it when she does recover fully. And I know that she's going to be able to touch a lot of lives 
and has touched you know the lives in her family already and, mm-hmm. and will continue to do so thanks for sharing that i know it's very personal but but um it's what this podcast is all about so thanks thanks for that yeah what's uh what what are your goals uh this year obviously but what what does your future look like Bo? i want to play football for as long as i can i mean that's that's been my dream and and uh that's been my goal since i was a kid and so just moving forward my goals right now is to control everything that i can control and, and all the things that are within my control to give 100 percent and you know, a lot of times there's things in lives that we can't control that we focus on and i I, I want to work on on just focusing efforts on the things that I can control. And so moving forward, just, you know, giving my all for my teammates at BSU and, you know, accomplishing our goal of winning a Mountain West Ch- Conference Championship and, and onto a bowl game and, you know, hopefully be able to play in the NFL. And then after that, I've always wanted to, I know I've I've known I've always wanted to work with my dad and my brother and um, they own a construction company. And I think, you know, once my football career is over, I want to start a nonprofit um, and partner with them. And I haven't really thought of all the details, but kind of to see what kind of work we can do in third world countries. You know, they do a lot of uh, water treatment plants and stuff like that. And so maybe, you know, getting tanks set up in third world countries, whatever it is, but just kind of. That's that's the path that I want to head towards. Pretty deep thoughts. Um, how important is your faith in your life? Uh, I think that's the the foundation of really everything that I do in my life. Um, just the way that I was raised in in having, you know, Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father being the center of our home, and how that can draw families together and strengthen families. I know that that's brought us through a lot of different trials and and allowed us to have a lot of different amazing opportunities and experiences. And so being able to have that own foundation in my own life, regardless of the way that I was raised and, and whatever now. So like what I mean is I'm not doing it just because I was raised that way, but being able to, to have that own foundation within my own life is, has allowed me to see a lot of different blessings and um, things in my life that have allowed to kind of, um, dictate certain actions that I have. And, you know, I just want to, I just want to make Heavenly Father proud of me, I guess, and, and follow him the best way that I can. And so that kind of just dictates all the actions in my life. And finally, what inspires you? My family inspires me. I mean, my family means everything to me and, and, um, seeing each, each one of my brothers and my sister and my mom and my dad and the people that they are and the things that they're able to overcome and accomplish. I, like I said, I just want to make them proud of me and, and happy. And you know, every time I go out before games onto the field and thinking of how proud they are in the stands, looking down onto me, running onto the field, making a play, whatever it just, and it, it, it inspires me, like you said, to to be the best that I can be and to to move forward being the best person that I can be. Um, they're they're definitely my foundation, and I would say my fiance as well. She she inspires me to be the best version of myself and to push me to grow and and be better. And there's a lot that I've learned from her as well. 
Well, hey, I can't thank you enough uh, for being on here. You're you're an amazing young man, uh, and and uh, I think will inspire a lot of people through what you said today. And uh, we look forward to following along this year with you. Uh, but thank you for what you shared. Um, uh, very insightful comments into what matters and how to approach life and how to put God first and and accomplish what, what he wants you to accomplish as you accomplish what makes sense for you too. So a lot to learn today and, and we love and appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I loved it. It was a great time. I want to thank everybody for listening and to strive for excellence. You've been listening to the inspire excellence podcast. We invite you to find something that inspires you this week. Join us again for our next episode.